0: Welcome to the Pomona Christian Church podcast. For more information about Pomona Christian Church, please visit us at com or find us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Pomona Christian. I am sick with wanting, and it's evil and it's daunting how I let everything I cherish lay to waste. I am lost in greed. This time, it's definitely me. I point fingers, but there's no one there to blame. I am sick with wanting, and it's evil how it's got me. And every day is worse than the one before. The more I have, the more I think I'm almost where I need to be if I could only get a little more. Uh, these are the lyrics from a song uh, called Ill with Want by the Avid brothers. And I, I find it hard pressed to find words whoa, that better suit. Did I hit something? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, you can hear me better now. All right. Uh, I'd be hard pressed to find words that better suit how I feel sometimes. I can't help but notice how incredibly blessed I am. And at the same time, I always feel this constant pull to want more, uh, to be dissatisfied with what I have. It really is a sad state to be in and one that I, I know is wrong. But while I know it's wrong, it's also hard to do much about it sometimes. But as always is the case, the Bible speaks to this exact issue. Uh, Human beings have always been ill with want, if we're honest. And it often leads us down a very dark path. And so I want to learn to be content. I want to be content with all things in life, whether it's small things like my lunch today, or maybe big things like the skills that I've been given, or maybe the place in life that I am or how much money I make or whether I'm sick or whether I'm Uh, healthy, whatever the case may be. I want to be content with who I am and what I am. And I do think it is possible for us to be content in this life because Paul writes about this very subject in the book of Philippians. Uh, So today, I'd like to take a look at Paul's words, but I'd also like to take a look at Uh, what the rest of the Bible has to say about this particular issue. Uh, Because it's important. And it's something that I don't know we always think or even talk about in the church. Uh, So, what does the Bible say about being content? Uh, First of all, it does say that we should be content with our lives. The first passage I'd have you look at is in Hebrews uh, chapter 13, uh, verse 5. And it says this, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Now now, this passage, that we—it it is in this passage, we are instructed to be content. Uh, we're told, straightforward, you should be content with your lives. And it is something that we should really try to attain as a Christian. And that's very hard in the culture that we live in. We live in a culture that it pushes us in the opposite direction. Set aside our own wants and desires, our culture is one that is driven on not being content. The best example of this is if you were to just uh, look at any advertisement that you see. Uh, Open up your phone. Turn on the TV. Look at a billboard. They are all designed to tell us, don't be content with your life. You need more. You need to buy more. You need to be better. All of that drives us. And so I think every one of us just lives in a state of discontent simply because of the culture that we live in. Uh, And so, it's so hard for us to recognize this in ourselves and then also to see in Scripture it actually does tell us, hey, as a follower of Jesus, you should work on being content. Contentment is something we should strive for. Uh, but interestingly enough, I don't think that contentment is something that just happens. Uh, you know, when we decide to give our lives to Jesus, we don't come up out of the baptistry suddenly content. It's just not the way that it works. I like what uh, Paul has to say about this issue in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11-13. through 13. It's three verses, four verses. Uh, it's the longest little section we have on contentment in the Bible. And what it essentially is, is Paul giving a testimony about how he has learned to be content. Uh, and so, let me just read this to you today. It says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, in plenty or in want. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. Now, first of all, I should say this. If uh, any of you have Philippians 4.13 written on your basketball shoe you can go ahead and keep it there. But, it probably shouldn't be in reference to God giving you the strength to score 30 points. What it should be in reference to is that you will be content whether you sit on the bench or you score 30 points. Because God has given you the strength to do so. You see, according to these Scriptures, Contentment is not something that comes natural to any of us. And how do you think Paul learned this secret of being content? I want to point to 2 Corinthians 11, verses 23-27. through In it, Paul explains what I would guess is the school in which he learned contentment. Uh, It says this in this passage, I have worked much harder... Been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Five times I received from the oh I already read that three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, danger. From from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. What a, what a list of things for a human being to go through. And crazily enough, we could go on even more about the tough circumstances that Paul found himself in throughout his life simply for the sake of the Gospel. But the point is that I believe that it was in the midst of all these trials and hardships that Paul began to learn the secret of contentment. So what is the secret? I think he drops hints here and there Uh, throughout his writings, but here are three verses that I think really sum up uh, what he has learned the secret is about contentment. The first is in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. This is just a few verses after he explains all these hardships that he's gone through. He says that the Lord said to him, "'My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness.'" Then our favorite that we just mentioned, Philippians 4.13 says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And finally, back in Philippians 1, uh, verse 21, Paul writes, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so when we put these three verses together, we begin to see the secret Paul learned When it comes to contentment Because of the hardships and suffering In his life He learned to cling To the strength And power that only Jesus gives And that for him No matter what happened to him in his life It was going to be about clinging to Jesus And if he did finally die It was gain as well because he would finally be face-to-face with Jesus. C.S. Lewis, as he often does, really summed this whole idea up uh, very well when he said, he who has God in everything else has no more than he who has God alone. And I believe that that is the secret. But there is more to it than just knowing the secret. I would guess that most of you in this room know this truth. You've heard it talked about before in church. You understand the concept of having all your trust and faith in Jesus and growing more and more uh, in knowledge and in relationship with him. You know this. The problem comes in working it out in day-to-day life. So how can I be content whatever comes my way? Uh, As mentioned, I I think the hardest part in this is the act of submission. Paul writes about it over and over in his writings. Uh, But I would point back to the passage that we read earlier in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul tells us that Jesus told him that his power is made perfect in weakness. This verse and really this idea of submitting to Christ's power through the recognition that you and I are weak is so countercultural, it probably sounds funny to us. Again, it goes back to the big themes of our culture. It is not a benefit to show any kind of weakness in our world. It's not a benefit to do anything like that. Um, And after all, you and I, we do everything in our power to show strength in our lives to control our lives we we want to flex our muscle in this world and we want to make it do what we want it to do and when do we do and when we do this we leave little space for Christ's power to be made known in our lives after all what do i need jesus for if i can earn all the money i can make everything happen just like I want it to happen. But Paul, who faced death and pain and suffering daily, had nothing but Jesus in his life. And therefore, he knew the power of Jesus in a way that I'm not sure that we can even grasp the way that most of us, myself included, live our lives today. And so there must be a change in the way we think about the world we live in. There must be an acknowledgement to the fact that you and I are not in as much control of this world as we think we are. There must be a submission to the truth that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Not, I can do all things that I want to do and hopefully Christ will help me accomplish the things I want to do. But even when my plans don't work out, I can do all things, including be content through Christ who gives me strength. Now this is an incredibly hard thing for us to do. But something that has always helped me in my endeavor uh, to trust God more is to do my best to understand who God is according to the Bible. There is a doctrine Uh, that has been around for many, many years, uh, that I came across, uh, that really helps me in this uh, endeavor to become more content. The doctrine I want to talk to you guys about is called the doctrine of God's providence. And what this doctrine says, it's based on Scripture, not something that we just came up with, but based on Scripture... It says that God is working in and through the universe he created, moment by moment, sustaining its existence and overruling its events to cause the unfolding story of history to occur according to his will. That's a mouthful. That's a lot going on. Uh, But because of this, God is always working in this world, sometimes in a mysterious way, together with inanimate objects, animals, intelligent beings like angels, demons, and human beings. He is navigating their activities and choices to achieve his sovereign purposes without violating their freedoms. This is a stunning assertion if you think about it. And in fact, we have a hard time holding both of those ideas in our mind at once where we would say God is in and working and and navigating things in this world but also allowing us to have freedom to choose. I believe it's both. And I think that the Bible speaks to this. Look at Colossians 1 Or maybe Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Now, it would take us a long time to map out this whole uh, doctrine of God's providence and to show all these different things. But these two verses... Explain that Jesus is in and working through all of us all the time And he's holding everything together And so when you look at this world around you And you see things that happen to you that make absolutely no sense You see bad things happen to good people Or or your plans just don't work out like you thought they would You can know this profound and deep truth While God did not necessarily cause these things He is most definitely working in them He is holding all things together And he is here and present in every moment of our lives The doctrine of God's providence sees a person And that person is Jesus And he is behind everything There is a purpose. There is an intention. There is a plan. When good happens in your life, when you pray and the prayer is answered, when you get a raise at work, when your kid scores the game winning goal, whatever it is, God is at work. When you get a call and it's bad news, when life makes no sense, when you have no answers, For how you are going to make it Know this God is at work In our weakness We see his strength And so while this earth As it currently is uh, And sin reigns and Jesus Has not yet returned I can begin to say with Paul that To live is Christ To die is gain I can be content in a world that sometimes is wonderful. And I can be content in a world that is sometimes terrible. I don't need to control everything. And I can recognize that when I try, I really can't. Some of you probably know the story of John Newton, John Newton's conversion. Uh, If you don't know who John Newton is, was he was the author of the famous hymn "Amazing Grace," and uh, his story is truly one of God's providence. Uh, on March twenty first, uh, in seventeen forty eight, he was on his way home to England on a ship in the North Atlantic, uh, and at this point in his life, he was a extremely rough character. He was a slave trader. And a very immoral man, he had no thought or desire for God. He was uh, just living to do whatever he desired at this point in his life. But on this day, a violent storm uh, blew in and it hit the boat pretty hard. And Newton was about to go forward to tend to some sails, but the captain stopped him at the last moment and had him go fetch a knife that he needed. And at that moment, a huge wave struck the exact place where Newton would have been uh, had he gone to tend to the sails. It would have surely washed him overboard. Uh, Newton saw this happen and the event struck him. And after much thought, and when he finally made it home from this voyage, he began to seek Christ through reading scriptures and, and talking with others and everything, and he was converted. And from that point forward, for more than 50 years in his life, he observed this particular date when God's providence stepped in and saved him, and he remembered it with fasting, prayer, and humility every year the words that he wrote in his famous hymn make a lot of sense when knowing his story he wrote twas grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved how precious did that grace appear the hour i first believed through many dangers toils and snares i have already come his grace that brought me safe thus far and grace will lead me home may we with paul and john newton be able to truly say his grace is sufficient for us we're going to go through a time of communion right now and as we do that Uh, I would maybe just ask that you would take a moment uh, here in just a minute to think about your own life. Think about things that you're not content with. Think about things that you want to control. And maybe take a moment to let Jesus have those today. For more information about Pomona Christian Church, please visit us at pomonachristian.com. Or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Pomona Christian.